Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, Coast to Main Podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. The way that Kickstarter works is it's very different than the Amazon-based model. With Kickstarter, you launch a limited time campaign. So Kickstarter, just to clarify, is not a long-term platform like, like Amazon that you sell on. Kickstarter is a limited time campaign that you run. So essentially, imagine that you're running a launch campaign. So you set a time frame for it, let's say 30 days, 45 days, and that is the duration of the campaign. So after those days, uh, after the 30, 40 days, it ends. So during this time, backers or customers will be placing pre-orders. So when they are on Kickstarter or, and they come to the site, they're aware that they're not going to be getting the product right away. So unlike Amazon, which is two-day shipping, people come to the website, they're purchasing a product and they know they're supporting it, but they, and they, they don't expect to get it within the next two days. They don't, and, and really the time frame that you deliver is up to you and how you want to set that. But the idea is that these people come and they expect to be getting this product later on. And once the campaign closes, once you're successful, um, so you set a funding goal, you hit it, you will get paid by Kickstarter in 15 days. And after you get the cash, then you're able to place your manufacturing order. And then from there, once you receive your inventory, you're able to fulfill to your back. So you can see this is almost the exact opposite of the Amazon model where you have to get the inventory first, you pay for it, you have it shipped to your fulfillment centers, you start fulfilling before you're able to sell. So this creates in a bunch of really, really interesting dynamics, which we are going to cover. And last but not least, um, the, the common question that I really get is, um, if you're selling on Kickstarter, can you sell anywhere else? And the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, Kickstarter, like I mentioned, is a launch platform, so you don't stay there forever. You can move to whatever platform of choice is going to make sense for you later on. So whether it's Amazon, Shopify, or you're exploring retail or wholesale, uh, wholesale channels, this is the perfect segue into once you launch the campaign to be able to jump into one of those channels and, um, and already have existing customers and have the inventory ready with the, miss, uh, with the risk of the rise. So why is this better launch strategy? I'll go through each of these individually just as, uh, as to give you the idea. But um, over, overview here is having profitable launches, minimizing your risk and gaining positive cash flow, building a sustainable brand, having public social proof, and getting PR buzz and credibility. So profitable launches. So with, with Amazon and our current launch strategies where you require buying inventory up front, if you were to launch on Amazon, you require a really significant amount of upfront investment, not only for the inventory itself, but if you're going to launch on Amazon and be successful, you'll need to do giveaways, you'll need to do ads. So pre-launch giveaways and all this, uh, all, all the pay-per-click advertising that allows you to be able to have the chance to do well and start ranking on Amazon. So with the Amazon model, your goal is if you become successful with your, with your launch process, then you can start making money. But really the idea is that this, um, if we look at this, it becomes a really uh, sunk cost in your investment to be able to be successful at, with, with Amazon at the beginning. With Kickstarter, successful launches allow you to be profitable right away. And it allows you to actually, as a result of the campaign, um, be, be profitable already as a result of the launch. So instead of waiting to be profitable later on, you can use the launch and, and, and going through the launch allows you to be profitable in the launch itself. So this is one of our first campaigns that we launched um, called the Arctic. It's a cold brew maker. 
and um, that campaign did really, really well during a time that was, um, <laughs> it was a really, really crazy time at Amazon because it was actually a few months after um, Amazon changed their uh, terms of policy back in 2016. And it was a really stressful time, but that's actually what led us to launching this product on Kickstarter. Uh, the second benefit of Kickstarter crowdfunding is that it minimizes risk. So um, like we already talked about already, instead of purchasing inventory upfront, you get the pre-orders upfront, you get the cash, and then you place the order and then fulfill afterwards. So this flips the model upside down and allows you to minimize risk and allows you to have positive cash flow, which isn't really possible in the Amazon-based model, at least at the beginning, until you're really, really able to generate a lot of momentum. The third benefit is being able to build a long-term sustainable brand of people that actually care about your product. With Amazon, it's extremely difficult. Well, I mean, now it's uh, it's even much more difficult to be able to get in any type of contact with customers that are purchasing your product on Amazon. Because essentially, with Amazon, the customers belong to Amazon. They're not really your customers because you don't get to get in touch with them. You don't really get to contact them in any way that's meaningful. So that means that you're not really building a long-term business that has customers that care about what you're doing. With Kickstarter, one of the biggest benefits of the launch platform is being able to acquire these customers and you're able to talk to these people immediately because they're your community. So once they buy your project or your product, they're essentially already your customers and you can already contact them while the campaign is running live. So while you're launching already, you can already start talking to these people. Um, in, in this example, um, we actually sent a survey out to these, uh, these customers that were the, the first group of customers that supported our product. And in, in, in this situation, we had about 3,000, almost 3,000 uh, customers at the time of sending out the survey. And within less than a week, we had 2,400 of them respond to the survey and answer the question. So this is an extremely engaged community, like I mentioned earlier. And this allows you to start building relationships with these customers. And eventually, when you when you choose to launch other products, or maybe you want um, you want people to create some unboxing content or reviews, all that kind of stuff, this is something that really allows you to access that community to be able to do stuff that would not really be possible if you were just selling products on Amazon. So um, you, I'm sure we've all heard of the concept of 1,000 true fans. Uh, this is really the foundation of establishing your first thousand true fans who really, really care about your brand and what you're doing. It's essentially um, a crucial part for long-term success with your with your e-com business. The next benefit is having public social proof. So Kickstarter campaigns uh, remain on the internet forever. So once you have a successful campaign, it stays there forever. And when you search the, the product name, when you search your brand name, generally this is one of the first three to five search results. For us, it's usually the first two or three um, search results. Uh, on Google. So uh, when people search your name or your product, they are going to find you online. And if they, when they find you online and they see the successful campaign, it really has a lot of credibility that's associated with the campaign. It doesn't matter how many thousands or millions of dollars you sell on your Shopify store. If nobody sees those results, you often don't get this feeling of public um, credibility. But with Kickstarter, the results stay there publicly and people see the success of your campaign for years after you have that successful campaign. And if you have press or anything else that you're featuring on the website, all of that becomes there. And it's just a way for you to have your, your credibility for your brand and your product when people look you up on Google. And the last one is, um, is getting PR buzz and credibility. So if you have a successful campaign that's really interesting, a lot of times you'll get picked up by a lot of different publications. So this is an example of the same campaign, the Arctic campaign. And uh, we, we had all these different types of publications that were interested in talking about it, featuring it everywhere. And this also becomes another asset for you to be able to uh, to be able to use on your website, to be able to talk about when you're maybe um, you know, pitching different types of retail partnerships, having it uh, as email content for your subscribers to, uh, or people that opt into your mailing list, anything like that, you, you can use this in the future essentially as a way to develop the credibility for your brand. So now that we've talked about the benefits of using a platform like Kickstarter, 
let's talk a little bit about how to execute this and what this looks like. So the first step in, in, with Kickstarter is really to identify a, uh, a USP. So USP stands for Unique Selling Proposition. And essentially, that's the hook that gets people interested in your product. So the co most common question that I get is, does, does the product have to be super, super unique and it's just like one of a kind or a new invention? And the answer is that it's definitely not the case. You just need to be able to find a way to present your product in a way that connects with your audience in a different way. And here's a really good example because this is one of the categories that we looked into when we were launching products initially on Amazon, which is a cocktail shaker. So these exist um, in, in the hundreds on Amazon. Um, this product, they did a really good job of presenting this to, um, to, their, to their audience there. And uh, they raised about 475,000, almost 475,000 within their, their campaign time period. And this is not a unique product. Uh, it just was presented in a very, very unique way that, that made it stand out. So to break down how to construct a USP, there's generally four, three different categories that I'll address in, in terms of being able to determine a powerful USP. So the easiest one, there's easy, medium, and hard. And each of these involve a different level of focus and investment on your part when it comes to developing products. Um, so easiest um, is essentially just product positioning. Medium uh, is changing some small aspect of the product. And hard is uh, some type of advanced functional upgrades. And I'll go into each of those individually. So easiest is essentially product positioning, which means that you're just changing the way that you choose to present the product. You're not necessarily making any types of uh, changes or improvements to the product itself, but you're choosing the, the aspects of the product that, you're, that you want to emphasize and that you want to point out. So this is an example of a company called Soapberry. Um, these guys are in the organic skincare niche and they launched on Kickstarter um, you know, quite a few years ago. And uh, they, I mean, if you know anything about the organic skincare niche, it's extremely competitive, very, very aggressive when it comes to competition uh, with PPC and uh, with really, really everything with being able to be successful on Amazon. These guys focused, their launch, uh, their launch focus was around um, this positioning around uh, being able to have the, the, the ingredients grown on trees. And they had this one, this one element of their uh, product, which was called the soap berry. And that was something that they really, really re-emphasized in all their campaigns. So this was probably like a, this was probably not so much of a unique product in the sense that it was, it was a completely revolutionary product, but they found a different way to present this in a way that related to their audience. That's level one. Level two is uh, some type of small upgrade or change. And a lot of uh, a lot of sellers on Amazon will be working with something like this already when they're creating their products. And so this falls into three main categories, uh, materials, aesthetic design, or functional upgrade. So really it's either changing the material of the product, um, changing the, the way that it looks a little bit when it comes to the way it's, um, you know, the, the, the physical way that it looks, or having some type of small functional upgrade. So this is another example of packing cubes. Um, you can tell I was really interested in this category. Um, these guys launched on Kickstarter. And uh, really what they did was they changed the material. So they have a slightly higher end material and it looks really sleek. So because of the material, it looks a little bit different, but in terms of the actual components itself in the set, nothing really crazy there, but they did emphasize this functional upgrade of having these, uh, these seven items together as this smart set. So did a really good job there with, um, with really just having this, um, this presentation of a sleek looking travel packing cube set and it raised um, over 280,000. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Asia. All one word. Cheers.